Happy New Year for all of us at Backlash Podcast. We want to thank everybody again for their support of not only the podcast, but also Team Rhino Outdoors and Muskie Mayhem Tackle over the course of, you know, we'll say four years of existence on the podcast, three and a half, but also mainly on, you know, 2022. I think that, you know, Brad, I, Carrie, we can't thank you enough. Brad will be here and I'm sure he'll he'll uh, have the same sentiment. This week, we're going to talk to Mike Keyes and Sean Josephson, and we are going to talk about the new season of Keyes Outdoors, some stuff that they learned from over the you know past season, and you know, and Sean's going to tell us a little story about a mishap that he had, and kind of bring some awareness to people solo fishing. His mishap ended, you know, fine. He has obviously he's still around to talk about it, but it may not have. Had it had a different result, or it could have easily had a different result. So, anyways, that's what we want to talk about this week. You know, again, you know, Brad, Carrie, and I, we can't thank you enough. Brad, thanks for joining us on this intro. I know you won't be joining us for the conversation because, I don't know, you had something else more important to do. I don't know what that was about exactly. Well, I appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah, I had a Christmas program for my daughter, so I was, uh, I'm going to be doing that, but. I am here for the opening, and like you said, I mean, I, ditto. I don't know how else to put it. Appreciate all the listeners. Appreciate the business. I'm looking forward to another new year. Yeah, and, you know, we'll talk about it now until, you know, whatever, all the shows are over, but our very first opportunity to get out and meet the public and meet our customers face-to-face for 2023 is at the Chicago Muskie Expo. I think it's like the 19th 20th and 21st or you know somewhere in there you'd think i'd be prepared and have that but i don't but anyways it's roughly there it's in uh kane county fairgrounds so we're looking forward to getting out and you know meeting everybody or talking to everybody in person again it was fun last year and uh, i'm sure i hope it's even bigger and better this year we'll see what happens yeah i definitely hope it will be as well i i do think it probably will you know we were still on the backside of all the covid crap and i think we're beyond that hopefully there's no confusion the only confusion there might be jeff is it is a week later than normal it's actually two weeks later than normal brad usually we'd be there the first weekend usually it'd be like okay so this weekend would be or the you know once this episode airs the week that this coming weekend is january 1st and 2nd i believe or something like that or the 31st and 1st or whatever I, I don't even know exactly but anyways and then we'd be literally be in Chicago the following weekend whereas we don't we're not there the following weekend and we're not there the weekend after it's actually the the third weekend in January so it gives you everybody a little bit of time to you know recoup from the holidays it's very nice for us Brad cuz we don't have to spend the entire holiday week you know between Christmas and New Year's in the shop getting everything ready we can you know kind of work into it a little bit and we got a little bit more time to get ready and prepare which is good because as time of this recording you know everything's uh snowy and cold and of course i don't have my trailer dug out i don't have the racking put in the trailer so i'm hoping that sometime in the next 21 days i get some sort of you know warm up at least to like 25 degrees so i can go ahead and do some of that work yeah i hear you jeff it's never fun to uh, go pull out the the trailer out of a snow drift and start sorting things out and not hopefully not forgetting anything that we actually need at the show that's for sure it'll be a fun time we're looking forward to it you know brad i don't have much to add to this intro so i guess you know for me and you and and carrie i just want to thank everybody again for their support of uh, both businesses and the podcast for this uh, past season and we wish everybody a happy new year we hope everybody had a great you know happy merry christmas and so uh let's dial up our conversation with mike and sean 
All right, our guests this week are Mike Keys and Sean Josephson, and they're both with Keys Outdoors Television. We've had Mike on, you know, I'd say a handful of times, but Sean, we have never had you on the podcast before, so I don't want to put Mike out in the cold, but I'm going to do it anyways for a little bit. Let's hear about your background, your story, and why don't you tell us how you even got involved with Keys Outdoors? Hey, guys, how's it going? Mike and I, so starting back, I started fishing the PMTT with my good buddy Ryan Knapp. I think we made it to the championship that year. I think we were in uh, Iowa at Spirit Lake. I think it was night one. Everyone was having beers in the back. My buddy comes over. Hey, Mike's over there. We're all having beers, chit-chatting and talking. I go over there, started talking. I figured, hey, if I'm going to talk to Mike, this is my uh, my shot. And I uh, showed him some cool pictures of some uh, ice muskies. And he actually already did the bite. But it was years back, and we were on some good fish. And he came over, and hooked up that way and it's been uh just a awesome journey from here on out we've been uh become great friends great fishermen learning i get to fish with you know kind of a mentor of mine mike's just become a great friend to all of us uh ryan and jeremy and all it's just great crew so mike what was it about sean that you were like hey we need to get this guy on film more often for me it was jeff is to me, the fishing is just the avenue that we do. To me, it's about the finished product. It's about the video, the film, if you will, when we're done. And I could just tell from Sean that because of his background and what he does for a living is he pays a lot of attention to detail. The little things do matter. And, you know, everybody thinks that producing a fishing show is you know, 100% about just catching fish. No, that's YouTube. Uh, Television is a story. It's putting, you know, a story together. You know, I've always said this, Jeff, and we've had this conversation many times. For me, I am in the entertainment business. If I don't entertain a person for a half an hour, the you know, as long as the show lasts, then I've failed at my job. And that's one of the things that's really important to me is the story, because what we are is we're storytellers through video. And Sean, I could tell because he's a master carpenter, the work that he does is, I mean, just so detailed. And it's paying the attention to the details that really stood out for me with him. And that's what I was looking for is somebody that could sit there and say, hey, man, you know, yeah, we've got the fish on film, but we don't have any B-roll. We don't have a storyline. We don't have this. We don't have that to put it all together. Where Sean automatically, when we started fishing and filming together, he would just take control and say, hey, we got to stop what we're doing right now. We need shots of this. We need the setup. We need. And to me, that was really critical is, again, it's, it's paying attention to detail and at the end of the day, getting all of the pieces of the puzzle to make my job easier in edit when we put it together to entertain people. So that was really what, you know, appealed to me about Sean was the, the attention to detail. You know, Sean, let's talk a little bit about your background that way. Mike brought it up as you being a carpenter. You know, a lot of people probably don't realize they think you're just on, you know, keys outdoors and you're, you know, living it high up in the, in the uh, fishing industry. You know, you're, it's probably not paying any bills, essentially. I'm assuming the carpentry work is what's paying the bills. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 
it's grind hard all week, you know, put in extra hours, put in a whole week in a couple of days just so I can get back on the road and, you know, do what I love and be on the water. And, uh, but my passion is both fishing and woodworking. So I get to do the both, you know, best of both worlds. I'm trying to, you know, plan trips a little bit more strategically so I can, you know, make the most of every trip, you know, but definitely the woodworking is, uh, where my passion is. And then now that meeting Mike and all the filming and editing, and like you said, we're telling a story and I'm kind of even bringing that into my woodworking a little bit. So it's just all working out really well. I think one thing is people that have a passion for fishing, they want to get involved in the fishing industry. They're like, okay, this is all I'm going to do. I'm just going to get right into it. And they don't realize that, you know, most of us have had to, you know, basically work, you know, two places or be in two places to, uh, you know, try to make ends meet. You know, Mike, I don't know if we've ever touched on your beginnings. I would imagine it was probably something similar for you before you actually started taking paychecks from Keys Outdoors. Yeah, oh yeah, I was, I, I literally had to pay for the first three seasons out of my own pocket. Um, I didn't have any big sponsors at that time. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a strain and it was well, working again. I've always been self-employed, but it was working that other business along with this, getting this off the ground. Yeah. People don't realize the sacrifice that goes into it. And and I, I feel this is really important to say because it's so true is, is that, you know, they say, Jeff, and you know this because you have it behind every successful man is a good woman. And there is absolutely no doubt about that. And going into my third year, flat broke, uh, not making any money, couldn't afford that year a $25 Christmas tree. And I looked at my wife and I said to her, I said, I'm done. I, I'm just going to focus on what makes money and I'm done with this and I can't do it no more. And she looked at me and said, you have worked so hard to get to where you are right now. That she said to me, she said, you're not going to quit. You're, you're going to see this through. And, um, you know, that changed everything for me at that point because I knew that I had the support behind me to go and, and continue on. And that fourth year, things broke. That's when uh, I signed Muskie Innovations. You know, they were a big sponsor. I started getting, uh, you know, other I, state farm insurance. Things started to happen. And so sometimes you, you just, again, having somebody to push you and to say, listen, I'm going to support you in what you do is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I know how it is with my wife. I can remember back, you know, I had the conversation about starting it and she's like, you're going to do what? And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. I, tr I trust that you're, you're, you'll make it work in this, you know? And then, you know, we started to get some sales and one night I was down in the basement. This is when Team Rhino Outdoors was still literally in the basement. And she came walking down and she's like, what are you doing down here for so long? I'm like, well, I had quite a number of orders to do. And she's like, well, do you want me to help you out? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like, she probably regrets that day ever since. Cause she's never gotten back out of the shop. Like that's, you know, she's been involved ever since because, you know, she was willing to pitch in and help out. And, you know, we've been, you know, let's say mildly successful. And at this point, you know, I owe a lot of it to her. And so I, I completely understand where you're coming from, Mike. I've heard a lot of stories over the last couple of years, you know, listening to all the, the, the bait makers and the guides and they're all saying the same thing. You know, it's, 
So without our girls, you know, you wouldn't be here. So. Well, it's because success doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So they need, you need somebody that's going to be patient and that has enough faith in you that, that things are going to end up turning out all right in the end because Mm -hmm. of, you know, all the sacrifices that they make and that you make to try to, you know, make a living in this industry. It's not, you know, we had Al Linder on episode 200 and he said, you know, if you're looking to get rich in the, you know, if you're, if your goal is to get rich, then the fishing industry isn't for you. But if you're looking to make a comfortable living at some point and you want to willing to put in the hard work, then it's it, the fishing industry will is something that pays off. And I can definitely agree with what he's saying. I mean, quite honestly, until this season, I never took a paycheck out of Team Rhino Outdoors. I never, like all the hours, hours and hours and hours, literally every pr- piece of profit that we made went either back into advertising or more, you know, more product until this year. I finally, you know, took some money out of the business. So it's been a, a long grind and I'm sure you guys, you know, know the struggle well. Yes. All right. Well, let's talk. The reason we had you both on this year is because you're kicking off a new season of Keys Outdoors. You know, once this podcast comes out, I believe, when does it start airing, Mike? Is it like right away on the 1st of January? It is. It is. Yep. So on Bally's, it is at 9.30 on Bally's, January 1st, and then uh, KOTV as well. So we, we kind of sync those two uh, networks up together and then after they air on those two later that day, if not the next day, we'll put everything up on YouTube. Okay. And, you know, Mike, let's back up a second. So in your conversation, you said that you paid for the first seasons of Keys Outdoors, you know, out of your own pocket. I think there's one misconception that people don't understand. When you're on a place like Bally's or Fox Sports North, I think people think that you actually get paid by the network to be on those, you know, on that spot. And that's not actually the case at all. You literally need to pay for your airtime on those networks. Exactly. Yes. Uh, You know, there's what they call being syndicated. Syndicated is where the network comes to you and pays you to develop a show or a series or what have you. But the rest of us, we have to buy our airtime. So we are literally buying airtime from them. And a lot of that has to go with, okay, what time slot? You know what I mean? The, the more visible you are, the better the time slot, but you're going to pay that premium to get on that time slot. So, guys, let's talk about what people can expect on this, you know, season of Keys Outdoors. I mean, I think the one thing we all love about it is, like you said, the storytelling is great, but also the fact that you guys always come up with new cool adventures. Are we, you know, hitting up the same old places that we've been or, you know, what can people expect out of this season? No, uh, you know, we, we don't. One of the things, and, and you know, it, it, some of the people that we work with over the years get very upset because it's like, dude, you know, why don't you come back and do what, you know? We don't like to do that. Uh, the whole premise of Keys Outdoors is trying new water, and really what it is is we try to break down a body of water in three days. That is really the premise of Keys Outdoors. You know, I would love to have that luxury, if you will, of only fishing a handful of bodies of water and really getting into detail. Um, Like a guide, a guide has an advantage. They're out there every day fishing the same water. They get to really dial in on where those fish are and what they're doing. We don't. We go to a new body of water, a new river, a, a new lake that we've never been to before. 
and we give ourselves basically 72 hours to figure it out. And, you know, so we love that pressure of it, but we want to keep things fresh. I don't want to go, you know, it would be so easy for me, Jeff, for us to go to Lake of the Woods and just fish 13 episodes in a two week period up there and just catch a ton of fish in call it good. But we couldn't live with ourselves if we did that. That's not what we're about. We're about going in and figuring out new stuff. We love pressured water. We love fishing pressured water and figuring it out. And that's, I think, something that has kind of separated us from a lot of people. We don't go, you don't see us, you know, every year doing the same thing. When it becomes that, then that's when I hang it up and I walk away from the whole thing. You know, Sean, let's uh, direct a question over to you. You know, before you hooked up with Mike, was uh, fishing new water, was that something that you did quite often? Were you on the adventures and the exploration side of things? Or did you pretty much have, you know, we'll say like four set areas that you're going to fish or whatever, and you kind of hit those up? Or did Mike bring out the adventure side in you? So, you know, I... I started fishing southeastern Wisconsin, just like one lake. My buddy bought me there. I think we put like two fish in the boat opening morning. It was my first time ever even seeing a muskie. And I just got so hooked on that. But it just happened to be a body of water 20 minutes from my house. And it was like two and a half muskies per acre. So it was the perfect lake to learn on. And I just pounded that for two years and got everything down and the understanding and just how everything kind of works. And then I started fishing tournaments, starting to fish all these lakes and tournaments and going to new bodies of water all the time and then meeting Mike. And then that's all he does. And that's just what I love about tournaments is, and then now that we get to travel, we gotta, we gotta figure this out in three days. Like that's insane to even think about sometimes and the times it doesn't work. And then the times it does, you know, when the stars align and, uh, being in the outdoors, camping, seeing all the new sites, like, like the Nebraska trip that was for Ryan and I, and I'm sure Mike too, it was just a sight to see we're in the middle of a desert and there's this giant reservoir packed full of muskies. And we got, you know, a week here just to have a ball. And, you know, that was one trip that'll stick with me for a long time is, you know, there's this, there are these crazy adventures out there with fish that no one else is fishing. And it's, that's what drives me. All right, so, you know, one thing everybody likes to see, you know, on Keys Outdoors is is the small rivers, the Golden Hawk canoes, and things like that. You know, do you have any episodes like that coming up this year, Mike? Well, we do, we do. Um, you know, actually, um, we've got some, you know, it's, it's a fine line that I have to walk there, Jeff. And the reason being is, is because, you know, I'm sponsored by Skeeter Boats. And, you know, so a lot of the rivers that we go on, there's no way you're getting a 21 foot skeeter in there, but they've been awesome to work with. They know that Keys Outdoors has that reputation of doing the small river stuff. And they work with me, um, allowing me out of 13 episodes to do several of the, the small river getaways, if you will, which is very nice because, um, I love, I love the adventure end of it and the small rivers. I just actually just finished up a show right now and people don't realize this, but, uh, I just dubbed it out. It's ready for air. 
um, it's a fly fishing trip that I did on, um, up in Northern Wisconsin. And people don't realize that in Wisconsin, we have 23 rivers that have muskies in them. And, uh, that's a lot of rivers, not to mention the whole Wisconsin river basin that, uh, has muskies in them. So yeah, we, we love the adventure end of it. And we do have some really cool shows coming up this year. You know, one of them, uh, is I, I'd seen Sean tease on Facebook about some really giant fish, you know, Sean, let's not give out all the details, but why don't you kind of, you know, give people a teaser is what to expect on that. So, um, I set a couple goals for myself that I wanted to, you know, catch a Green Bay 50, uh, England 50, and then, you know, the, the crazy one of a 50 pounder. Um, but I spent probably since September, I kind of dialed back all my fishing, just focusing on inland bodies of water that have a decent chance of catching a 50. And there's not that many by me within, you know, without going a long distance, but, um, I just focused on those and not, you know, not seeing much at all, putting in a bunch of time on one body of water and it, it paid off big time. One of my PB inland PBs, um, over 50 inches. So it was a pretty exciting fish. Again, a new body of water for me. Um, not a lot of pressure, but a very difficult body of water to fish. I think in what Mike in five days, we seen, you know, a handful of fish, but, and the lake is giant. So I would like to add on to that. And this, this tells you everything you know, need to know about Sean is we were planning on him and I going over there on a Tuesday and a Friday night, I get a phone call from him and he says, dude, I'm Jones and I can't, I can't wait till Tuesday. And I was like, what? And he's like, I said, dude, I've got meetings that I have to go to on Monday. And he's like, I'm going over there. And he went over there and it was probably the best call that he did all year because it paid off for him big time. But that shows you he's very aggressive when it comes to fishing. It's like, I'm going, this is what I'm doing. He's by himself. And you know, I worry about that a lot with uh, the guys that I work with. I worry about it. My wife worries about it. And Sean had a really scary, bad incident this year. And Sean, tell everybody what happened, dude. It was, it was, it could have, thank God it turned out good, but it could have been, it could have been the end, dude. So um, this is something that I'm definitely going to be um, fixing this off season. But with my, you know, I fish 90% by myself. And we're all human. Things happen. We make mistakes. You, anything can happen. I was doing a, a trolling little, I was on some good trolling, good trolling bite on my home lake. I run out there, I'm setting lines, setting cameras. For whatever reason, I stood up, went to go turn on one of the cameras that wasn't on against the gunnel rail. And for whatever reason, I went right over the side. My boat's going three miles an hour. I got a short line down on that side of the boat. So when I fall in the water, I fall right into my trolling line and I know it's only 18 feet back. So I'm frantically trying to grab this line. So this muscular doesn't rip in, rip into me as my boats, you know, going away with no one in it. I got my hand all wrapped in the line. So now it's just pulling drag, but my boat's probably now 500 yards away from me 
um, and I got lucky. There was one boater on the water pulling his kid on a tube that just happened to go by me, like within a couple minutes of this happening. And I'm barely keeping up, you know, the line's just thrashing into my hands. I'm getting pulled. I'm getting kind of pulled under the water. But uh, I got his attention with a couple last breaths, and he came over, got his kid, went over and got my boat, came over and got me. And uh, the whole comes down to this whole tether thing. You know, when you're fishing alone and the boat's moving, if anything happens, like, like again, so three weeks ago, I've been fishing all cold water trolling by myself. Big water, cold, the water's 33 degrees. If I fall in, I'm done. And there are products out there that Mike and I are looking into that can help us. You know, it's hard to have a tether held to you while you're running around the boat doing things, but um, it was a really scary thing. Can't say, you know, I wouldn't died, but it was just a very traumatic um, situation that fishing alone is dangerous and you got to be really on top of your game and be conscious of every step you make. Especially after that, it's all I think about when I stand up to go touch a rod or a camera or anything in the boat and the boat is moving, I'm paying attention to what I'm doing. So yeah, that was a, that was a wake up call on fishing solo and the dangers, especially in cold water. Wow. That's an incredible story. Let me ask you, you know that, so you said you grabbed the braid. Did you end up getting caught up by that stuff? Cause if anybody oh, yeah. pulled the oh, yeah. braid before that stuff's like, It'll cut yeah. through you. So I was getting pulled, you know, my drag was set loose. So I was just pulling out. So that's why my boat kept going. You know, I figured, but then I'm trying to get the line off, but I couldn't because the boat was still going, but it sunk in the, I'm not going to say down to the bone, but it was three, four weeks of heel time on about four fingers. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I was glad I, you know, I told a couple friends and, my girlfriend and my mom and they're both trying, you know, it was like, I could have, if no one, if that boat wasn't out there, I don't know what would happen. I had all my clothes on. I was in 20 feet of water. Um, I just, I don't know what would have happened. So I count my blessings that, you know, that person was driving by me at that point. Just thankful I'm here. And, uh, again, I'm, there's a, some products out there that, um, you wear like, uh, it hooks through your ignition then you're wearing a key fob on your neck. So as soon as that key fob would hit the water, it would cut, it would kill the motor. So if I would have had this key fob on, that boat would have went 10 feet and the motor would have died and I could have just swam back, no problems. So there's products like that, like that, that we're looking at because we do fish alone and you know, no one wants to lose one of our guys you know, or family, anything for something stupid like this. So. Something to look into if you're a solo fisherman. Just think about what you're doing because it can go wrong really fast. And yeah, yeah. The name of the company is called Fell S E L L Marine, and we're talking with them right now because uh, we know that there's a ton of people that fish by themselves. And uh, like Sean said, you know, <clears throat> I don't care. There's not a muskie in the world we're dying for. So, you know, it's something to definitely look into, you know, and it's not expensive. It's like under 200 bucks or something like that. So uh, it's something that we should always, you know, keep in mind and, you know, possibly have in our boat so that an incident like this doesn't become tragic. 
So is that a wireless product that you guys would use? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And I'll send you some information on it, Jeff, because uh, I would really like to promote this company, you know, in the world of fishing. And uh, it's something that you may be interested in carrying as well, because safety is an issue for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I fish by myself quite a bit. Yeah, even this fall, I did some late night trolling by myself. There was literally nobody out there. So if it would have happened to me, it would have been bad. Unfortunately, the temperature was warm enough or the water temperature was warm enough where I wouldn't have gotten hypothermia immediately, but I would have eventually gotten it. And I was far enough away from shore where I don't know if I would have made it back to shore had I fallen out. So it's definitely a concern that all of us, I think sometimes we, we overlook. We're always worried about all the other details. We don't worry about that detail. Exactly. And everybody's like, well, you know, you should be wearing your life jacket. And it's like, come on, man, let's be real about this. That isn't going to happen. Okay. Let's just be real about it. It's, you know, it's none of us do it. We probably should do it, but it's just not reality. It's just one of those things where it's something that we should always check into and and be concerned about and try to fix that problem so that it doesn't become a problem. So, you know, I I guess that would be one lesson we learned on the water. My other, you know, to to finish up the conversation, I was going to talk about lessons learned on the water and I was going to talk to each one of you about it. You know, obviously that would be one, but what's something else maybe you guys learned this year on, on the water? We'll start with you first, Mike. You know, I think a lot of it is, is that this year was kind of just, and I'm sure that the viewer, uh, the listeners can definitely agree with this. It was the oddest year that I can remember. Windows didn't matter. The windows were very short. Uh, Moon phases didn't really work like they have done over the years. So it really came down to time on the water is really what it came down to is just a weird year. So when you think that, you know, you plan everything around your windows and stuff like that, it necessarily doesn't always work out that way. And, you know, so then it just uh, elevates you to, you know, putting more time on the water and in the boat. So that's the lesson I learned is, is that again, and, you know, we notice that right away in the spring. It's just where the fish should have been and where they have been in, in years past, they weren't there. So it was just an odd year. And I think the lesson learned on all that is, is that don't take anything for granted. And just because things worked years past doesn't mean that they're going to work um, going forward. So try to think out of the box. Time on the water is probably the best uh the best thing, the more time it's like anything, like I said, the more time a guy sits in a deer stand, uh, his odds are better of shooting a deer. The more time on the water, your odds of, of catching a big fish are, are definitely greater because of the time that you're putting on the water. And Sean, I'll ask you the same question, but one thing I wanted to jump back on that I forgot to ask you about when you talked about it. So you were talking about breaking down new waters starting in September, focusing on inland waters. And you said, you basically said that you were finding yourself with not a lot of, not a lot to go off of or something like that, but you kept grinding through, you know, what's the mindset? How do you keep going? Because a lot of our listeners might be newer anglers and they might not have success immediately. So you have to continue to push through, you know, what, what kind of focus do you have to, to do it or what keeps you driving? The biggest thing for me is your mindset and um, going into every single trip 
with a positive and, you know, I'm going to kick butt attitude and envisioning what's going to happen. You know, I'm, you know, when I'm driving to a lake and I'm trying to catch a, a big fish, I'm on the way there. I'm envisioning what's happening. I'm going to catch a big fish. I can see it in the net. I can see what I'm doing, you know, and really thinking about, you know, what we're actually doing. So like this, this spring, I spend a lot of time charting. That's my main focus. You know, I'm still fishing, but I'm auto charting. I'm marking every hump, every rock, every fish crib, and really taking notes mentally and on the graph of where I'm seeing fish and then really focusing and kind of dialing it down to those specific spots. So this fall I was working some deep breaks every quarter mile. There's a series of fish cribs and all of my data. We did some casting earlier in the year and every fish we ever saw were on these cribs and nothing in between. You'd come up to these cribs, it's full of bait and there's muskies, multiple muskies on every crib. So once you kind of start to see things that are attracting other fish, I kind of said, okay, I'm not going to spread this out anymore. I'm going to keep it tight and small, even though I'm doing lots of turns and going back and forth and back and forth. But the only fish that we contacted or caught were on these cribs. So I think I used to do a lot of spot hopping. Well, if a good spot looks like a good spot and you're seeing muskies, you, it's all like Mike said, it's all about time. You just got to put in your time and wait. They will bite. The light switch will go on. And that's when, you know, you, you get lucky and you either catch a bunch of fish or you catch the one you're at, you know, the big one that you're after, but just downsizing your spots. You're seeing good stuff on the graph. It's, it's good stuff. So just keep fishing it. And then, you know, like we, like we talked about with Mike, something that you learned this season that you you know you hadn't thought about before or you found out some, you know conditions changed or you know what what something can you offer up from that from a lesson you learned for in 2022 for probably the past five years you know coming into the sport i've always been a, a weed fisherman you know two to ten feet i'm on the inside weed edge and i never leave and uh it, it works and there's always fish there but i think what for me this year and the last, even a little bit of last year is, you know, fishing out. Some of the good mentors I've talked to, they always say, you know, think of all these boats running at that 10 foot mark and 30 boats in a day. They're all in the same line. Now go one boat out, two boats out. Don't, these fish slide out because they don't like all that pressure. So moving out, you learn that there's all sorts of more fish that, you know, push out of the weeds that are just in the basin. So this year I really focused on the outer fish, the basin fish, the ones that are feeding on bait balls and not hunkered down in the weeds. So pushing out for me this year was probably the, the biggest learning experience I've had in a long time. And just realizing how many more fish are out in the deep water than you would think. And then also it was, it was kind of weird. We had a string of months that the fish never left two feet of water, even in the middle of summer with the hottest weather. Um, it was kind of weird, and it was all big fish. For me, the big 40-inch fish were all stuffed in the weeds, and they never, ever left two, three feet of water. That pattern worked for multiple lakes, and that's not – usually they slide out, you know, to that the first main break, and they just never did. So, again, it's like always a – 
you never know where the fish are. But for me, I, I did enjoy moving out and fishing some deeper water um, muskies. Well, Mike, let's, uh, you know, before we head out of here, you know, if, if people want to, you know, check out your show again, what's the best way they can go do that? They can go to keysoutdoors.com, our website, um, which then we have links to all of our shows there, YouTube, in the networks that we run on. And, uh, you know, another thing is KOTV, which, um, you know, we started a year and a half ago and we just broke 2.6 million views on it. And we're looking for new content to build that. You know, KOTV is a free app on all Roku devices, and uh, you can go online to www.kotvchannel.com, and you can watch it via the internet. Or you can, uh, if you have a Roku device, you can download the app for free and watch it. It's just not Keys Outdoors. It's a TV network of all upper Midwest fishing and hunting shows, and it's free to the public. We really want to build that because uh, there is no censoring on our network. Um, we're going to show deer kills. We're going to show catches. We're going to let some things slide that uh, typically aren't, you know, on national TV that you can get away with. And uh, we wanted a little more raw and in-your-face type deal. That's what we believe that KOTV is going to deliver. Yeah, I definitely recommend people check it out. You know, guys, I want to thank you both for, you know, coming out and talking musky fishing with me. I hope that uh, you guys had a great season. I hope that KOTV is a success this winter. And, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, we'll catch you guys at some of the shows. I would imagine both of you will be around at some shows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be there. You know, and something, Jeff, I want to leave on, too, is, you know, I want to thank you. You know, you and your team... They, you guys put some really innovative colors and patterns together that have really paid off for us successful wise. So, you know, I want to thank TRO too for, you know, what you guys do because uh, your service is second to none. If I order baits uh, because we're going on a body of water, we've never been. So we don't know what colors are going to work. I can call you up and I mean, it's Johnny on the spot as far as getting us the colors that we need and the lures that we need in such a timely fashion that uh, there's a lot to be said about that, especially in today's world. So TRO has definitely um, got it going on as far as customer service. And uh, you, you, you're a fisherman. You know that if a guy is going on a trip, that he's going to want certain baits before they leave. And for you guys to be able to have the ability to get us what we need when we need it is uh, my hats off to you. Well, I certainly appreciate the kind words. Definitely we're, you know, by fishermen for fishermen, right? I mean, that's what we do. That's kind of how this whole yep. thing started out, you know, and, and get back to the color pattern things. I mean, we have a, a team of people that we work with that it will loosely call them pro staff guys that say, hey, we should think about doing something here. Or we should think about doing something there. Some of it's my own doing. I don't, I, in the beginning it was, I, I relied heavily on a lot of those guys, but now they're all busy doing stuff and they don't have as much time for me as they used to. So some of it I got to do on my own, but I still do get a lot of input. And we even take input a lot from our, you know, our customers 
they'll send us emails and they'll say, hey, you used to have this color. How come you don't have it anymore? And maybe it wasn't one of the best colors, you know, that, that sold well. And we'll do what we can to try to get it back. Or they'll say, hey, have you ever thought about this? Or have you ever thought about that? And so we try to, you know, get input from our customers because obviously that's the most important thing. So I appreciate you, you know, recognizing that. And I appreciate our customers, you know, and I guess I'll end it that way. I thank you all for your support this year. We had another fantastic year. Hopefully 2023 is just as great. And we hope that everybody has a happy new year. And we'll see everybody again with a new episode next year. Take care, guys. Hey, happy holidays, guys.